Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on your Wednesday, August 17th. We have all sorts of audio to share for you today. It was KU Football's Media Day Nick went down and was able to hear from Lance Leipolds, both the coordinators and Brian Borland and Andy Kotelnicki, as well as uh, a few players with Devin Neal and Jalen Daniels. So uh, I don't think we'll get to all of it today, but over today and tomorrow, we'll we'll share a bunch of uh, that audio between the two of them. DraftKings is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. I, I've made it on record that I would take the over on KU wins at 2.5, but um, something we're going to talk about here, if KU loses the opener to Tennessee Tech, at that point, you are going to feel like uh, absolute misery that you're never going to get the over on that bet. But I, I still feel good about it. I'm interested to see what the, the opening line of that game is going to be. Um, I don't know, maybe 20 points, something like that, 24 points, I feel like would be a good number. Tennessee Tech was only 3-8 and eight a season ago in FCS ball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KLWN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KLWN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer, $100 issued as $425 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void where prohibited. Ends first day, DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at dkng.co slash ks. So as I was kind of talking about there, Kansas taking on Texas Tech, or, or Tennessee Tech, I'm sorry. <laughs> they will play Texas Tech later in the season. Um, what happens if they lose? What happens if they lose that game? Because that has seemed like such a, I don't know, like a, a gimme, because this isn't, first of all, this is your second year. You added so much to the team. You improved so much. The way you finished last season and you're also playing, as I mentioned, this isn't an FCS team like a North Dakota State or something where they're a top 10 FCS team. They went 3-8 and eight in FCS play. It just seems like such a gimme. 
But what happens if they do lose? Because that wouldn't be new to Kansas. We've seen them lose games to FCS teams all the time. It, it would be, uh, it'd be a disaster. I don't even know how else to put it. I mean, it, it would, would be, the, be the worst loss of the Leipold era, but that's also yeah, by only far. 13 games. Would that be the worst loss of a can? I, I don't know. It's tough. There have been a I lot mean, of bad ones, right? There's been a lot of bad ones. There's would it been... be the worst loss between Les Miles and Lance Leipold combined? Probably, you know, but there's also, I mean, there's been some games where KU has lost and they've had like 20 yards of offense. <laughs> so, I mean, those games are obviously pretty bad. Losing to Tennessee Tech would be really bad. And furthermore, you look at, go back to 2018 when they lost to Nichols. Nichols obviously is a much better FCS program. Yeah, they're like top 25. But then, but at that point, it seemed like maybe if David Beatty was teetering on the edge of being done, that loss, boom, he's done. And what's crazy about that is they then blew out Central Michigan and Rutgers in the next two games. I mean, blew them Rutgers out. Rutgers game was so much fun. They destroyed Central Michigan and Rutgers after losing to Nichols, right? So, Which just made it worse, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. So, like, so, really? So if they lose to Tennessee Tech and then, I mean, what? I think for Lance it would be, is it game over? Game over? I don't think, think it's a game. I mean, it's it's year two. Honestly, like, I this might sound a little crazy. I, I don't know. You might have some fight back on this. Kansas could go 0-12 this year, and I still would not be out on Lance Leipold. Okay. Um, I mean, I would certainly have some questions. I would certainly be wary. Man, but I don't know about that one, dude. They got to they gotta get something. They, they, they got to get I mean, I, I get gotta it. Get I feel something. very disappointed. Well, okay. That was so I understand it, where you might be coming from, and let me, I think I might be able to put some words for you here. That explain why you feel that way. It seems to me that with Lance Leipold, we are K football has reached a situation where it's like, if this guy can't do it, nobody can, <laughs> right? Right. So maybe that's why for you when you when you make that statement, you're making it that statement from a sense of, I've got to go all in on Lance Leipold because if if it doesn't work, who's I don't even know. You yeah, know what I, I mean? There, I mean, is, is it fair to say that that maybe could be the potential mindset of of certain people around the program that We've reached a state of K football where if Lance Leipold, the guy who took Division Three Wisconsin Wisconsin Whitewater, turned him into a you know hundred wins over however many seasons, he only had like seven losses. He goes to Buffalo, not a great program, turns him around. Right? Are we to the point where that is that is that a is that a fair statement to make? Where it's like a situation if okay, if he can't do it, maybe nobody can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think that's definitely part of it. Um, because you're right. Everything was right in the process there of making that hire. Like, there was nothing wrong with it. That was the best hire you've made in, in X amount of years. And it would just be like, well, now what? Now what? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, what do we yeah. try next? We, we just, <laughs> do we go back to, we already, to Jeff we already, or we already tried the old, washed, legendary yeah, coach. That didn't, tried everything. <laughs> that didn't work. It worked, right? Um, so that would be part of it. But the other part of it to me is like, at the end of the day, if they reach the, let's say, Let's say you're targeting a bowl game by year four or by year three, whatever it is, right? This is year two. That's what if I'm they're saying. going 0-12 this year, it doesn't look like you're getting to a bowl next year. Right. Well, that's part of it. It's like they are sort of connected in that if you don't do well this year, it probably means you have a bigger jump next year, and why would we expect that? But hypothetically, if you made a bowl in year four and you went 0-12 in year two, are we really going to look back after year four and be like, I still don't know about Lance Leipold. No, we're going to be like, okay, this was a success. It took a little longer than we thought, but we're here. Um, yeah, I guess you know. And to be fair, when you look at some of KU's recent hires, they have gotten into this cycle of maybe not necessarily giving coaches enough time. In some cases, it was probably warranted, but 
maybe this is a situation where you do try to give Lance more time. And and, and again, you know, one and eleven is not out of the normal possibility for KU this season, no. right? So I mean, maybe they beat t- Tennessee Tech, but they go one and eleven. I mean, is there is there that much of a difference between that and going zero and twelve? No. Maybe. Uh, I mean, yeah, probably a little bit, but. But if but you lose you the, the Tennessee Tech game, it is it is automatic disappointment. Like there's that saying yes. of, "Well, can't get lower than this." But you know what's worse than hitting rock bottom? <laughs> it's staying at rock bottom. It's hitting rock bottom repeatedly. So that's what that would feel like. It would feel like, okay, we hit rock bottom again. Here's the fifth time hitting rock bottom here over the last decade. Yeah. So that would be a huge gut punch, and that would be one of those things where it would certainly, it would. It would, in the same way that the Nichols State one was for for David Beatty, like that was for David Beatty, the final nail in the coffin. And and honestly, like that team might have won six games, and it might have been, it wouldn't have mattered because it seemed like less uh, Miles was coming in with Jeff Long anyway. So that was kind of a different situation. But that, even if the last Miles thing wasn't there, was probably the nail in the coffin. I don't think that that's how this one would be. It certainly would turn the fan base off. I just think because of the. I think there's a strong sense of general optimism around KU football right now, right? Mm-hmm. From the fans, from the program, outside and inside, there's a general sense of optimism. And whatever that little kindling of whatever you want to call it is, is just slowly burning, mm-hmm. yeah. gone. No, it's, it, it evaporated, incinerated, yeah. ne- and never coming back probably, certainly for this yeah. season. No, you, you would lose the trust. It, it's Again, I, I guess going back to that idea of, hey, you could make a bowl game in year three or year four and make up for it. Basically, that's what it does. It, it yeah. puts you against the wall that it basically makes you get into a situation where it's like, okay, this happened. You know, we still haven't lost all trust, still haven't lost, lost all faith in you, but now you better show us something. So what, what if they lose to Tennessee Tech, mm-hmm. but then win five games <laughs> and miss a bowl? How mad are you going to be then? See, again, like that's that's the conversation where it's like, oh, they won five games. That's the most they've had since Mark Mangino. Like, if you told me right now Kansas is going to win five games, I say, okay, take it and run, right? <laughs> but for that to happen exactly that way, would you're right. You know how infuriating there, that would be? It's like we couldn't make a bowl game because we couldn't I, beat Tennessee Tech? I, I have what may be considered a controversial opinion. Okay. This season, on the subject, mm-hmm. this season, I personally would rather see KU win – Three or four games, okay. then win five. Because if they win three or four, then I'm excited. I'm looking forward to next season. If they win five, I'm just going to be mad because they didn't win <laughs> like six. They're so close. Yes. Yes. I'm just going to be mad at that point. So I would prefer they win three or four. And you listen, you can record it. You can have it on record right now whenever for when they win six games this season. But right now, I would rather than win three or four, then I can be happy. I can have optimism about next season. If they win five, I'm just going to be upset. I'm just going to be mad that they didn't win six. It's like uh, the people who are like, I'd rather my team win the NIT than losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. It's like I'd rather I'd rather just have that, I don't know, uh, the ignorance uh, is bliss type of thing where it's yeah. like I don't have to, to worry about stressing over that. I, I wouldn't go that far. I'd, I'd rather than <laughs> win the five games. Um, here's one for you, though. Would you rather, and what do you think would be more beneficial for Kansas, them losing to Tennessee Tech and then beating Kansas State, which is their final regular season game. It's a road game. It'd be senior day for Kansas State. Who knows if that would keep K-State out of Big 12 title game or out of a better bowl game. Or I don't think Kansas State is going to only be 5-6 and six at that point. But hypothetically, could you imagine if that kept them out of a bowl game? Um, yeah. Or would you rather have it the other way? Kansas takes care of business against Tennessee Tech and they lose as they're expected to to Kansas State. Well, I think the issue here is 
if you lose, like we've been discussing, if you lose to Tennessee Tech, that taste is going to remain you over think, the program for that Nickel State year, the whole season. I would think, unless they, unless they, you know, beat Houston and beat West Virginia immediately after or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at it from that standpoint, it, it'd be more beneficial to beat Tennessee Tech. One and zero, you keep the optimism going, because like, because like, like you were saying, I think if they beat Tennessee Tech and go one and eleven, like. It would. It probably wouldn't be good, but I think there would still be the op. The, the flame of optimism would be still have the potential to be sparked. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they lose to Tennessee Tech, I mean, and, let, and they would have to go into K State and beat them by like fifty, right? <laughs> to really, to really maybe potentially offset something like that. <laughs> so, and, and obviously, I don't. That's not going to happen. But, but you see what I'm saying? Like, if you beat Tennessee Tech. Regardless of what happens the rest of the season, your your optimism, your your little flame that you have that you've been cultivating for Lance Leipold for since you've got here, it's not gone. It may be like almost dead, but it's still there. If you lose to Tennessee Tech, it's it's incinerated. It's never coming back. You're not getting it back. It's gone. And like I said, unless you rip off, I don't know how how you know seven, eight, nine wins, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that the the thing that would worry me most, and it goes to exactly what you're saying there. If you lose that game to Tennessee Tech, you sort of lose the fan base. Like, that's been yeah. the biggest thing. Oh, there's thing. no sort of about it. No, it's no. Gone. There, I mean, that's been the biggest thing with the KU football fan base. It's been, it's not this level of like when stuff like that happens of anger or negativity. I yeah. mean, there is that, but it's more apathy. At exactly. Point. It's yeah. apathy. It's yeah. just like, okay, whatever. I, I'd rather, you know, spend that, that five hours on a Saturday doing something else or, or watching these other college football games that are on. And, and that becomes the problem there to where, if you, you beat K-State, like, in a vacuum, yes, the K-State win would be more beneficial. It'd help you with in-state recruiting. It'd be your first win over them in over a decade. Like, that, all that would be great. And I can't believe I'm even, again, because in a vacuum, of course <laughs> the K-State win would be better. But it's just like this idea that if you get to that point and you are 0-11 or whatever, presumably, if you lose to Tennessee Tech, how much of the fan base is is going to care until like the result happens and you're halfway through the game and people are like all right I'm turning it on like here's what happened and everything and does that apathy accrued over the course of the season counteract that whereas at least if you lose to K State this year like you're expected to lose to K State it's senior day for them they have a good team you're playing them on the road and everything the Tennessee Tech win at least keeps you engaged in the early portion especially when you know there is such a big chunk of Kansas fans where it's just just hold me over till it's basketball season. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I think it was Matt Taylor this week who said, in September, it's only football. The spotlight is only on football, right? So everyone is paying, everyone's paying attention to it because there's nothing else to pay attention to. So hypothetically, if they, if KU was to lose to Tennessee Tech, whatever, 0-11, that K-State game is going to be happening in the middle of basketball season, right? So if you've already lost your fans at that point with the loss to Tennessee Tech and you're still losing each week, that K-State win on the road may not have as much impact as you would think it would, as you were saying, like in a vacuum. It may not have as much impact on the fans because, again, I, I'm pretty sure it was Matt Tate who came on earlier, earlier in the week and said, you know, September, it's all football. There's nothing else. There's nothing else, right, in terms of major sports. It's football. And then you get into basketball season. So, to me, that makes it even more critical that you get off to a, a good start or a decent start early in the year to kind of maintain – that confidence maintain the attention of the fans for when you know basketball season does come around and you still have you know some fans interested in football right so I think that further goes to say that absolutely I think you have to sit here and say 
you must beat Tennessee Tech, regard whatever K State, whatever for the time being. Yeah, yeah. You had the excuse last year. For, I, I mean, it would have been bad if you lost to South Dakota, and, and it also would have felt like, up oh, here we go again. First game with a new coach. We lost to another FCS team. It's it's happened with all these other coaches. Turner Gill to North Dakota State. Yep. And David Beatty to South Dakota State and Nichols State. Um, I guess it didn't happen with Les Miles. But it almost, almost lost. Yeah, it Indiana almost State, did. Right? It almost um, did. So it would have felt like that. So that was the biggest thing where it was just like, just find a way to win any way you could last year just so that it, it feels like it's breaking the pattern. Losing this time would feel like you're going back into that pattern, especially in year two. And that's the part that, that makes it a little less excusable. You added all this talent. So, like, there's no reason you should lose to them, especially because it's not this great FCS team. And so... I, I think I'm on board with that. As crazy as it is to say, I think you take the win, this year at least, over Tennessee Tech as opposed to the Kansas State one just because you worry about what that would do to the fan base, what that would do at the start of year two with the Lance Leipold era, uh, and presumably if you lose that first game, what that would mean for the rest of the season. Now, if I did add the caveat, though, of either way, they're going to win three games. Would you still take the Tennessee Tech or would you take the K State? Well, now I think you're looking at more of a twenty eight a twenty eighteen type right. comparison. Um, I think at that point, if I'd one of your K-State. three wins is K State, you probably do that, right? Because if yeah. if we're saying you lose to Tech, Tennessee Tech, and you get a K State win, your other two wins are presumably Duke mm-hmm. and, and the West Virginia, West Virginia Iowa State. Iowa State. Or yeah, one of those? the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, so you're getting those early wins. Yeah, I. I I would probably take that also. I would probably take that, beating K-State that way. Mm-hmm. I would take that. Yeah, I think I, I mean, would as well. It would still it would still be just really brutal. But, yeah, I think at that point, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just sad that we have to sit here and, and discuss whether or not losing to an FCS school is, <laughs> is, is, is that catastrophic. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you one last one. What do you think would be more fun for KU fans? Uh, beating Kansas State on the road on their senior day or beating Texas, which would be the final home game. So you have the home aspect, senior day for KU, and you just continue the the memes and, and all the jokes about beating Texas. I honestly think beating Texas would be better. I think beating Texas would be better at home on senior day. You just it, it would just it would just be like like you said it would just comedy be wise it yes. would be yeah yes I think it would be <laughs> I think that would be what probably most KU fans would take because honestly it's probably the more realistic option of the two <laughs> right now right I mean as crazy as that sounds mm-hmm. I mean considering the track record against K State in recent years and considering the track record of Texas with much better talent it it it, it honestly could be the more realistic option of the two that they win that game instead of winning on the road at K State. So that's what I'm taking. I'm picking Texas. Let's beat Texas again. Why not? We'll just keep beating them every year. Never I, beat, never lose to Texas again. I think I'd lean Kansas State just because of the the in-state recruiting part of it. it it's such a big piece of it to me. Um, but gosh, like I said, the comedy portion of beating Texas again, like you, you almost couldn't top that. So I, I, I'm tempted to take that just from like a, I don't know, a nihilistic view. Of I'm everything. taking him. All right, give me Texas. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got all sorts of. KU football audio to play for you on today's show. We've got two more editions of RCST trivia coming at you today in the Wednesday division. We got a KU mailbag to get to at the top of the four o'clock hour as well. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll be back after this timeout. 
We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas Collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear, plus they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK. That's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Shock Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. Four o'clock hour, we've got some RCST trivia. Two more episodes coming up today on Rock Shock Sports Talk later this hour. Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. It is that time, though, on a Wednesday. We get to our KU mailbag. Thank you to everybody who hit us up on questions, either. Uh, via my Twitter account, the RCST account, or sliding into the DMs. This one comes from KU Tracker on Twitter. I don't know your actual name, but shout out to you. <laughs> uh, with soccer and volleyball starting up, can we get like a rundown of their games with highlights slash standouts? Thanks, guys. Hashtag Rock Shock. Uh, we should make mention, by the way, with, with volleyball starting up, they announced there's going to be a volleyball hawk talk. We obviously air all the Hawk Talks here on KLWN, so you can assume to hear that. It'll be a, a once-a-month thing with Ray Bouchard and uh, Jill Dorsey-Hall, who uh, is always super valuable or uh, super gracious with her time coming on here every so often. And uh, that'll be uh, every Tuesday for the first couple editions. There's a Monday one as well. Is the first one the next first one's Tuesday? next week. Okay. Yeah, next Tuesday, the 23rd. Next Thursday. Yep. And they have a, uh, I want to say, exhibition game coming up this week. And they soccer, do. I believe, yes. plays this week. I think yes, soccer opens season, on. Right? Yes, they open on Friday. Okay, I think it's funny as I'm looking through the soccer schedule that obviously amid like uh, previous talk about Kansas and the Big Ten and everything, <laughs> that this uh, this is the non-con slate for for KU soccer. At least it, some of the non-con teams are playing. They actually open tomorrow, tomorrow night. Okay, Ohio State. Yeah, so Ohio State, Big Ten. Northwestern, Big Ten, Iowa, Big Ten, Purdue, Big Ten. Is this the hint we've been looking for? <laughs> Is Travis Goff leaving a hint that like, hey, check this out. We're playing all the Big Ten schools. Yeah. What is that? Four of their first five games <laughs> yeah. are, are Big Ten schools. Uh-huh. So. They're trying to show like there's all this. <laughs> there's the uh, UC Board of Regents meeting right now with like UCLA. That's trying to be like, hey, no, you can't leave for the Big Ten. Look at all this like damage you're going to cause student athletes for Olympic sports. KU's basically doing the opposite. They're like, no, look how easy it is for us to play you in soccer. Come, let us join the yeah. Big Ten. That's yeah. what this is. Uh, no, but what sticks out to me, too, is uh, the non-con. You're playing Missouri. It's at Missouri, but it's on September 4th. So that'll obviously be the big one anytime you uh, square off against Missouri. Then you look to conference play. TCU is preseason ranked 7th. Texas, West Virginia typically have had really good squads in the Big 12. So... Those would be the ones that I would kind of be circling. I don't know. Is there anything else that sticks out to you? Uh, so KU was picked to finish eighth in the conference coming into this season. And I would just like to say that KU, uh, from a soccer standpoint, it feels like they're always kind of underrated preseason. And then Mark Francis, who has now been coaching KU women's soccer for as long as we've been alive, 
at this point. I think he, I think he literally got there in 1997 or 1998. So he's been there literally as long as I've been alive. Uh, he always finds ways to, to get big wins. You know, they've had a number of, of big wins uh, over Texas, even in recent years. And yeah, TCU has been has kind of emerged as one of the top teams. West Virginia had been really good for a while, but they've maybe kind of fallen off a tiny bit. Uh, they're still picked to finish third in the conference. But yeah, TCU and Texas are, are the top two teams picked in the conference. And, you know, for KU, they, they've had some great offensive players over the past four or five years. I don't know that they necessarily have sort of a go-to Grace Hagen, Katie McClure type player this year offensively, uh, but they do have a couple of super seniors coming back. Kayla Hansen on the on the back line, a defender has, has been a, a now is going to be a five or five year starter, I think, uh, for them defensively. So, you know, there's some things to be excited about certainly for, for KU. And really, when you look at their non-conference schedule, I mean, four four out of five of their first games Big Ten opponents. Those are pretty tough. Um, you look at. South Florida is probably going to be a pretty decent team, I would think. And then going into conference play. And really, the the other bad thing for KU in this situation is Oklahoma State, TCU, West Virginia, their first three conference games, those are three really tough conference games to start the, to start their conference play. Now, it, it'll get easier on the back half when they have games against Texas Tech, K-State, Iowa State to end the season. But that start to conference play is, is – looking kind of rough for them honestly those first uh, early conference games so could, we'll see how they start off in conference play yeah they like you said just picked eighth but they've tended to surprise when when they're not picked maybe as high uh volleyball wise preseason they're ranked in the top 25 ranked 23rd in the avca preseason coaches poll um utah is a pretty consistently top 25 team they have been over the last handful of years and they might even be a future member of the big 12 at this point it seems like that talk is kind of cooling but I don't know. Don't co- totally discount it. They're on the non-con this year. And actually, Utah is uh, a team who is ranked 22nd in the preseason, so one spot ahead of Kansas. They finished last year one spot ahead of Kansas, 18th <laughs> to Kansas is 19th. So that should be a pretty evenly matched uh, game between that Pac-12 team. Uh, Loyola Marymount, that's a rematch of the 2015 Sweet 16. They're always like a scrappy unit who really plays good defense out of the West Coast Conference. That should be a solid one. Um, you have some some local-ish schools like Wichita State, UMKC, and Omaha are all going to be playing KU this year. And all of them, to a certain extent, were like solid teams. Wichita State hasn't been where they were maybe five-ish years ago where they were kind of like a top 25 team. But they're still a solid team, so those are always good. And then you play some other uh, solid non-con matchups. UNLV won 28 games a season ago. UCF has been a team that has kind of been bouncing in and out year to year in the top 25. They were a borderline top 25 team last year. They're going to be moving to the Big 12 next season. So you get that matchup kind of kick-started a little bit early and uh, with their volleyball team really getting rolling here over the last few years. That should be a really good one. And then conference-wise, like you know who to expect in conference. Texas is always the big ticket. That's the team that you're trying to beat. That's the team you're trying to knock off in the conference who isn't just a conference competitor, but a team who every year has national title hopes. Baylor, over the last four or five years, has developed into a national power. They go to the the Final Four a couple years ago. They've been a nationally seeded team in the NCAA tournament uh, several times out of the last handful of years. And then Iowa State, Kansas State are consistently possible NCAA tournament teams. Uh, Texas Tech and West Virginia really started to get volleyball going over the last year or two with those schools, so those are come-ups lately. But, yeah, it's the Texas and Baylor games. Those are the ones that you really circle. Yeah, a couple things that jump out to me here is, first of all, 
They have that, they have that exhibition against Drake that you mentioned. That's on Friday. But their their next their home opener isn't until September eighth. So if you want a chance to see KU volleyball, you're gonna have to do it on Friday, or you're gonna have to wait a couple weeks. They start the year uh, on the road for what is that three weeks in a row, basically, or two weeks in a row, um, in Salt Lake City, and then they go to West Point, New York, for the Black Knight Invitational before the Kansas Invitational comes back to Lawrence on September eighth. So if you're looking to see them Friday. Uh, this coming Friday would be your best chance before September 8th when they come home. But then they're at home for a while. And, and again, kind of similarly to the soccer schedule, conference opener at home against Texas. That's tough to open the conference against Texas, uh, who is, as you said, a preseason top five team for, for KU. But they have, they've played Texas pretty well uh, in recent memory, especially at home. Uh, I think they beat them last year or a couple years ago at home, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, I think you're right. Going through the conference schedule, I mean, I think this is a, a KU team that probably feels like they've got a pretty good chance to finish in the top three of the Big 12, really. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. But Texas to open conference play at home on September 21st, that will certainly be an interesting game. And, yeah, I think it's very exciting and obviously really cool that they're going to be having Hawk Talk now with Ray Bouchard, who's uh, another guy that's been uh, at this point is basically a legend of KU, been around for so many years. Uh coaching volleyball so yeah i mean i think it's an exciting time for volleyball certainly they're they're back in the top 25 preseason ranked and i'm sure like i said i'm sure they're anticipating that they're going to be a, a top three four team in the big 12 and have tournament hopes for sure yeah so should have the last year's sweet 16 all right this yep. one from jeff more rushing yards by devin neal or combined receiving yards from lawrence arnold and trevor wilson so last year i think neal had this arnold had like over 300 yards wilson was in the 200s Neil had over 700 rushing yards. So last year it was Neil, but this year you have more running back competition. Now he also did miss the last game and a half, essentially with injury, and didn't really play much in the first game. So there's reason to believe Devin Neal could rush for 1,000 yards this year. Lawrence Arnold could also be the top target as far as receivers. How many yards is that? I don't know. It could be 500, 600, 700. I think I'd lean Devin Neal. I think you'll get this two ways, which is one of what you already mentioned was there's going to be, you know, a lot of different running backs for KU. We we assume Devin Neal is going to be running back one, but with a lot of different guys coming in and out, you know, that are going to potentially take away from what potentially would be his overall rushing yards total. And then on top of that, Cole Nicky maybe kind of hinted towards a little bit too, but I'm curious to see how much KU is going to be a run-heavy offense. Are they going to be run, run, run? Are they going to be throwing the ball? Are they not going to be throwing the ball as much, which would obviously make you lean more towards Devin Neal as well. And obviously they have a lot of they have a lot of different guys that can make that can catch passes besides Lawrence Honnold and Trevor Wilson. So at this stage I'm I'm leaning towards Devin Neal just because he he is at this point the established running back one. I think KU is going to be probably more of a run heavy team, at least to start the year. Uh, but but Jalen Daniels has a great arm and they could be throwing the ball as well. Uh, but I would probably go with Neal also just because even though there are more running backs that could potentially take away from his total yards, there's a lot more receivers, I think, that could take away from Arnold or Wilson as well. Yeah, so I think we both agree, Neil, there. Uh, this yep. one from Tim. You can add one player from last year's team onto this year's team. Who is it and do they go bowling? This is kind of similar to the one Scott asked uh, a week or two ago about if you could add three players from the Orange Bowl team. But this is just from last year's team. So I, I think this can be viewed on uh, – he didn't add any, like, rules – can you just clone a player who is on still on this year's team, who was on last year's team too? Like, could I just be like, I want another Devin Neal, or could I be like, you know, I want 
a second two, Kenny Logan, right? <laughs> two Kenny Logan. Like two safeties in the back end or something like that would be kind of nice. Um, but I'll go away from that just to to not be weird with that because that would be kind of odd. Um, Kyron Johnson, Kwame Laster, I feel like are the two obvious candidates, right? Yeah. It's With Kyron Johnson, you did bring in Lonnie Phelps, who who should be able to kind of replace that production. But imagine having exactly. both those guys on the outs, on opposite ends. That's the thing. Right? That is – like I know, I know this sounds – weird to say but that is one of the better pass rush units at least from like the outside in the big 12 yeah i I don't know if i'd go as far to say it's like one of the top three or something but it is (laughs) you know probably one of the the top half from the outside i mean that's two possible pro players obviously kyron johnson was drafted i think lonnie phelps has those uh with that potential in his game and with kwame lasseter it would give you your for sure number one receiver back who was developing quite the connection with Jalen Daniels, which would be nice for a young quarterback to have back. I think I would lean Kyron Johnson, though. Yeah, I think when you look at Kwame Lasseter, what would make it interesting is, it's like you said, Jalen Daniels, He's he had basically three games under his belt at the end of the year last year, still trying to develop. Actually, what you'll hear from him later on when I had a chance to talk to him about just developing his game, how he can take that experience and moving forward and having a full offseason. And, yeah, I think having a full offseason with another guy – a reliable, certified, bona fide wide receiver one would be very intriguing. Uh, and, and I think I'm going to go with Kwame Lasseter because I think that gives you a great weapon that could potentially put up more points for KU and somebody who is going to be your your security blanket because that that is kind of a question right now for KU when you look at this team. I mean, do they have a third down and seven, third down and eight, third and medium type guy that they can just consistently rely on and go to every single time? That's, that remains to be seen, I think, right now. If you had Kwame Lasseter on this team, boom, there you go. There's your guy. Yeah. So I, I don't think you'd go wrong with either answer, to be honest. I, I tried to think more like, is there an offensive lineman who graduated that you take? But it's like, eh, I don't know. And, yeah. and again, even if we had the cloning thing, would you really need to clone Devin Neal? You already have so many good yeah. running backs. Yeah. I mean, if you could clone Kenny Logan, that would be, I think, probably mm-hmm. – the, the best answer. Yeah. I mean, or I mean, if what if you could clone Jason Bean and have three quarterbacks on the field <laughs> at the same time? I mean, I don't I don't even think that would really work. Would it? Well, I mean, if you know Jason Bean could be receiver, <laughs> you line Jason one Bean Jason, Jason Bean on Bean. the left, one Jason Bean on the, the right as the farthest out receivers. And every play, Jalen Daniels has the option to throw backward pass to one side of the field. OK, you could also have the bean to bean connection, right? That'd be cool. That would be cool. But no, that's not the right answer. Uh, okay, this one from Ted. Who is your pick for a freshman to make the biggest impact? So, uh, again, didn't clarify if he means true freshman or redshirt freshman. If it's true freshman, I'm not really sure we're going to see many, if any, of the true. Like, sure, there'll be maybe some special teams play here or there. Or, hey, I rotated in and, and played two, three, four games and I kept my red shirt. Um but honestly, I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of play for the true freshman class coming in. The guys that I would highlight for that to even happen, and again, I, I feel like the goal here is to only play him four games so you can redshirt him. James Livingston, Joey Baker, two offensive linemen you brought in. Livingston seems to have a, a closer to college ready now body at this point, but both guys are, are players that I, I think have high hopes and and could be eventual starters for the KU offensive line, but maybe a year or two or three down the road. Don't really expect it a ton this year. But again, maybe you have some injuries and, and maybe they play a couple snaps here or there. If we do redshirt freshmen, I think that's where it's interesting because you had a lot of players who came in, 
kind of in, in similarity to Livingston and Baker, where it's like, yeah, I like the potential what they could possibly be, but this year it won't be it. But now, like, DeKedrick Stearns is a guy who redshirted in year one. You obviously have a lot of competition for those backup offensive line spots. I think he's in competition for one of those spots. Nolan Gorsica, who transferred in from Buffalo, seems like he's in line for one of those backup offensive line spots. Then you have on the defensive line, DJ Withers and Tommy Dunn, both redshirted a season ago. I, I think we've heard really good things about both those guys. The biggest thing that's going to be a hurdle for them in getting playing time is that they're like five fifth-year or sixth-year senior uh, defensive linemen on, on that side of the ball that it's going to be a little harder. And we talked to Kevin Flaherty um, you know, earlier this week or, or just yesterday, and he was saying how uh, – it seems like only one of those two, like whoever wins the battle between the two of them might be in line for playing time, but it's going to be tough to get both. But that said, whoever does win that spot is going to have an opportunity. Heard good things about Demarion Alexander. Again, though, you have a lot of upperclassmen, defensive linemen where he could more so be jockeying for position to play next year with his performance this year, but maybe gets a little bit of run. And then Tanaka Scott, a big receiver. You're obviously trying to figure out what receivers are, are going to merge on this year's team. Big body, good straight line speed. Maybe he's someone who steps up. Yeah, I think my answer to this question may have been a little different prior to today's media days. Because now, today, offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki, they, Tanaka Scott got a lot of talk today, a lot of play today from 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 Andy Kotelnicki saying how he's a big body, he's made some big plays. So he could be a guy, I think, now. And maybe I, maybe I wouldn't necessarily known that before today, but but Tanaka Scott seems like he's been getting a lot of a lot of love from the offensive staff and the offensive coordinator Andy Kolnicki certainly. So, as from the redshirt perspective, from the redshirt freshman perspective, I think maybe he could be a, probably a guy that makes a, a feasible impact th- this season because you heard he, you know he's obviously got the body right now uh, to, to to be that type of you know prototypical NFL big body receiver. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting one that jumps out of the page to me is certainly after hearing from the offensive coordinator uh, Koldenicki today. Yeah, pick up the breadcrumbs there with what the coaches left you. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. More RCST trivia next. We have two trivia matchups today. We're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, and Jayhawk Trophy. Bowl games are just a few weeks away. The playoff is just a few weeks away, and we're going to start having uh, people clinch playoff spots, clinching the division win, whatever it is. There's an opportunity for that here today. Kyle Coffey, who is ranked third in our top 10, is 2-0. He scored 40 points, 47 if you include overtime. With a win in this one, he would clinch the division because Keegan Russell, who stands in his way, has one loss. The only other guy with one loss in the division is Chris Yurchek, who Kyle already gave his one loss to. So you'd have the head-to-head. This would clinch him his third win. So an opportunity to clinch the division. Keegan standing in his way. And if Keegan wins, then we could have a possible three-way tie situation, uh, at least for this week, between Chris, Keegan, and Kyle. Could get very, very interesting. Kyle, we'll start with you. Uh, You're ranked third now. And I know we talked, and you said that you know, after your last performance, you thought you deserved to be in the top three. Now you are in the top three. However, I did see on social media, you felt even disrespected by being number three. So has that changed? Do you feel like you should be number two or number one? You know, you always got to keep that chip on your shoulder. Uh, it's never a, uh, 
you never want to be satisfied with three. You want to be, you want to go to the top. And, uh, you know, so it's, you got to keep ways to keep motivating yourself. And, uh, you know, uh, those rankings, you know, when they come out every week, uh, it gives me some new motivation there. You know, I was, I was happy with the top three, but now I want that top spot. So that's what we're hoping for. But I know I have a worthy competitor with Keegan and, uh, you know, just hoping to have some success that I've been having and we'll see kind of where it goes. Our number one team lost this week. Um, our number two team is on bye this week and has a loss. And if you win this, you would you would have a three no record to his two and one. So is that on your mind at all that with a win today you could possibly move up to number one? You know, right now what I'm focused on is a great matchup against Keegan. You know, we respect our opponents. Uh, so our focus right now is is making sure we uh, we focus on the. Uh, one task at a time here and whatever will come will come. But you know, if it, if it does happen to be that way and it's a three and record with a decent amount of points, it's going to be hard to uh, keep me out of that top spot. But you know what, like somebody mentioned, I remember, I think it was Monday rankings don't matter until you get to the end. If you win and it takes care of itself. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, you're also just one of three remaining undefeated teams so far. Two of them still are playing in the Thursday group uh, coming up tomorrow. Keegan, you come off that big win last week, and uh, you've scored 18 points through your first two, 24 including overtime. You get that big overtime victory a week ago, and now, like I said, you have the opportunity to pull a top three upset, to take down one of the undefeated teams, to keep this division still alive. Uh, do, do you feel extra juiced knowing all that headed into this matchup? Does that make you more nervous? What are kind of your emotions? I would say a little bit of both. I think you're always excited to take on a top team in your division just to keep things interesting and bring chaos to the division. Uh, I like what we talked about last week, that this division has potential to be one of the messiest looking ones because everyone's got a lot of knowledge. And, you know, I think just listening to some of the matchups, this group's had some pretty tough questions and we've still shown out. So I'm excited for the matchup. I'm hoping, if anything, just to make Kyle sweat through this and make it tough. But again, you'll know, have some fun with it. And and like, like he said, rankings don't matter right now. It's all about where we end up. But obviously, I need a huge win to keep my hopes alive, too. So I'm hoping to bring bring some firepower today. Well, and Keegan, you as much as Kyle controls his own destiny, because with a win, he clinches the division, you control your own destiny. If you win this matchup, you'd both be 2-1. and one, And then I believe you played Chris the last week, so you could beat him. You'd be 3-1. and one. Even if Kyle was 3-1, mm-hmm. and one, you don't head-to-head. So both you guys control your own destiny, which always doesn't happen, especially at this point in the season. So this should be a fun one, should be a good one. We'll see if uh, maybe we can have another four-overtime repeater. Uh, With that being said, Kyle, I'm going to give you the coin toss here. Do you want to choose heads or tails? Uh, It's worked for me the first. uh, I think I've had the toss both times. I'm going to go tails again. All right, it is tails. So you have the toss once again. You want to go first or second? All right, second it is. That means, Keegan, you're up first, again, coming off your big overtime win over Andrew Filer a week ago. Into the easy round, the first quarter of play. These are worth three points. Keegan, the first time that 2007 Kansas trailed a game was when they fell behind in the first quarter following a Josh Freeman to Jordy Nelson touchdown against what Week 5 opponent? K-State. Yep, Kansas State. That was the first time KU trailed. They obviously ended up more than okay in that matchup. Okay, Kyle, your first points or or first opportunity for points here in the first quarter. Kansas fell 36-28 to Chase Daniel and what opponent at the end of that 2007 regular season? Misery. I could see the uh, head shaking 
going on there as you heard the question going on. That is the correct answer. Three points there. All right, we're into the second quarter. This is the medium round. These are worth six points. Back to you, Keegan. Brandon McAnderson's 2007 season high and career high of 183 rushing yards came in a matchup with what Big 12 South opponent? In 2007, I want to say Texas Tech. That is incorrect. You had the first part of it right. It was Texas A&M. I knew it wasn't Oklahoma or Texas that year. Yep, they didn't have them on the schedule that year, Um, but Texas A&M was the right answer there. Okay, Kyle, this one for you to take the lead Uh into the halftime break. Brandon McAnderson's 2007 season high and career high of four rushing touchdowns in a game came in a matchup with what Big 12 North opponent? Nebraska. That's right. You remember that fondly, it seems like. Yeah, that was a, you know, he uh, was flipping the ball to the refs a lot that game. So that was a fun time. Hard game to forget. Yeah, that's tough. Okay, 9-3 to is the score. So, Keegan, you got an opportunity here to go back in front with a hard question because these are worth seven points. Keegan, name this former KU head coach who had two stints with the team, one from 1971 to 1974 and the other from 1979 to 1982, coaching David Lawrence, among others, at KU. Will you say those two years again, please? Yeah, 71 to 74 and 79 to 82. Oh, man, this is the coaching one is the one I'm least confident in, and I've studied this so many times. Oh, 10 seconds. I'm going to go Don Fambro. That is right. Don Fambro was David Lawrence's head coach. Loves good old Don Fambro. All right, that's a big seven for you, Keegan. You take a 10-9 to lead. So now, Kyle, see if you can get it back here in the third quarter for seven points. Kyle, name this former KU head coach from 1988 to 1996. He went fifty or forty-seven and fifty-four. Glenn Mason. Glenn Mason is the correct answer. All right, so Kyle, you have sixteen points. Keegan, you have ten points. That means this fourth quarter question, which is worth eight, you gotta hit this for a chance to win and keep Kyle from winning the division. I know Chris Yurchak is sitting there listening to this, rooting for you. All right, Keegan. This Jayhawk defensive lineman graduated following the 2013 season in which he had five and a half tackles for loss while wearing the number nine. Twenty thirteen. Oh my gosh. Man, jerseys are going blank right now. Dang. Toss the name out there. I'm going to go Jenkins Moore, but I know he was a different number. Yeah, the correct answer is Jordan Tavai. All right, so Kyle, waiting on popping the champagne just yet. You still got to answer a question for... You know, I guess for this point, it's it's for pride because the tiebreaker of head-to-head already clinches you the division, but... 
could get you to the number one ranking, maybe, if you answer this question right, or could play into seeding later, as you're obviously going to be part of the college football playoff for, for winning your division, you know, could help you get the one seed to play the four as opposed to being in that dreaded 2-3 matchup. So, Kyle, for you. Oh, also, we have the Heisman Trophy, which really hards and perfects come into equation, so you have the chance for both here. This Jayhawk defensive lineman graduated following the 2013 season in which he also had five and a half tackles for loss plus a sack while wearing number 96. What's his name? Ten seconds. I mean, the only 96 I know, it's too early, but I'm just going to throw it out. Daniel Weiss, but it's, it's not right. Yeah, the correct answer is, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Kiba Agostino? Agostino. Yeah, I don't know if that one rings a bell for either of you guys. Um, <coughs> so the final score, Kyle 16, Keegan 10. Keegan, it was a valiant effort. And, uh, you know, I, I guess in the end, the... The Texas A&M question was the one that slowed you down. You obviously knew the the Nebraska one that was the counterpart, so kind of unfortunate um, the rotation of questions there. Uh, thoughts on, on this matchup and, and the result? Quality matchup definitely had a chance to pull off an upset. Uh, last question for both of us. That's I think that's a year a lot of KU fans just on the outside looking back on some good years that I think a lot of guys would have struggled with the defensive numbers. Um, but yeah, the Texas A&M one, that's going to haunt me. I knew it was a Texas school. Um, I remember watching the Texas Tech game at home and and kind of going back and forth. So that was just the memory, the quickest thing I could come up with. But honestly, A&M has been out of the conference for a while. So I think that was second nature to forget about them. Yeah, that would be easy to do. So Kyle, uh, since that was the question that ended up being the difference there, if the order would have been reversed, would you have gotten the Texas A&M one right? Yeah, because, uh, yeah, he was just running people over in the secondary a lot. And, you know, a lot of a lot of people remember that. But I still remember when uh, the defense stopped Javorski Lane up the middle. So that was the biggest thing I remember from that game because it was like their first, I think, primetime game uh, that they played. So that was an important one. So I would have uh, had that one um, ready to go as well as with, with A&M as the answer. So. Well, that was a good matchup, guys. Uh, Keegan, yeah, there's still plenty to play for because you have Chris next week, and, and you still have the opportunity to try to get a, a top, you know, top three. Obviously, get an automatic bid for next year's trivia, but you still have the opportunity to get top two, which earns you a bid to a bowl invite. So that's still in front of you, Kyle. Congratulations, man! You, you have the victory, so you're gonna have uh, all week long to think about with you clinching the division. Do you rest the starters? Do you play them? What's your strategy is gonna be there? You know, we probably go pretty hard for a half and uh, see where it goes from there and then uh, see uh, see kind of what it goes with. But uh, hard, hard season. Um, you know, I've had three really worthy competitors, my first three opponents, um, ready for the next one and uh, see where it goes. We need to stay fresh for the uh, playoffs. So that's the biggest thing. Well, good job, guys. We'll see both of you next week. Hey, Thanks, if Derek. he's not number one seed next week, this thing's rigged. <laughs> I love it. Coming for Good it. luck, man. Good luck, Kyle. Thanks. We'll see you. Fun matchup there. Yeah, Keegan almost had him. He almost pulled the upset, and uh, that's that's a bummer for Chris. That's actually going to be our next matchup, Chris Yurchek and uh, Ryan Brown. The question is, do I tell him or not? You know, we uh, 
we record these before the show. We we try to do these during like you know lunch breaks of people who they're working and everything. So we try to get it in uh, around then. So you know since we're not doing this live, this isn't just something where Chris was just listening. He he had no idea. So do we tell Chris? Do we not? I, I think we don't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he uh, brings it up. But uh, Chris Yurchak, Ryan Brown, going to join us next. RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, and Jayhawk Trophy. This is RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Congratulations to Kyle Coffey. He wins the Wednesday group. Still an opportunity to to get second and uh, earn a bid to a bowl game is on the line in this division. And uh, Ryan's going to have to win to have an opportunity to still do so. Chris is going to try to win to keep his... uh, I guess, upper foot on being able to get that second spot. This is RCST. Second trivia matchup of the day features Ryan Brown. Comes in with a record of 1-2, 35 points. Tough loss a week ago for Ryan and the fifth-ranked team, Chris Yurchek, who is 1-1. He has scored 40 points, 46 if you include overtime, through his first two matchups and uh, moving up into the top five this week. So, uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. You had that tough loss a week ago. Is that something that's stung into the weekend? Do you have extra motivation headed into this one? What are kind of your thoughts headed into this matchup? Um, you know, at this point, we're just, you know, kind of um, trying to save face. I've got a feeling this could be a uh, blowout. So hopefully I can uh, keep it a game through a half. Well, see, this is what you did in the basketball tournament. You 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 said, I don't know if I'm going to get any questions right. I'm just hoping I get the easy right. And then you made it all the way to the Phenomenal Four. So you're buttering up your competition here. I, I, I'm i not even saying it's a bad strategy. It could be a good thing. Chris, um, meanwhile, you, uh, you know, for, for Ryan, you got to win this to stay alive um, for a possible bull bid. And you would need some, some help along the way, but it would keep you alive there. Chris, if you win this one, Puts you in a driver's seat for at least the the second spot here in this uh, Wednesday group, um, and obviously a big matchup next week with with Keegan to come. But uh, what are kind of your thoughts headed into this matchup as uh, you sit ranked fifth in the top ten? Well, we had a good week on the bye. Unfortunately, um, the teams at the top didn't lose like we needed them to, but feel restful going in. Uh, Ryan didn't give me any bulletin board, bulletin board material. He's been a little too nice, so, but uh, we'll see if we can stay motivated anyway. Okay, well, we uh, have, I'm trying to think, in this division, uh, a, a lot of kind of chaos behind the top team here with, with Kyle and, and Chris. Everybody else has two losses besides uh, you, Chris, and, and Kyle as well behind them. So um, there's certainly a lot that can that can still need to be sorted out, especially in those two through three spots after uh, Kyle sitting in the number one spot in the Wednesday division. Um, with that being said, Ryan, this is your final regular season matchup of the season, so it's not just about you know trying to have that opportunity to, to finish top three to get an automatic bid next year, to finish top two to get a bull bid. This is your final matchup, so this is kind of like your, you know, your week 12 of the season, your rivalry matchup. Not to say Chris is your rival or anything, but in terms of the fact that, you know, Win or lose, even if you don't make it any further, you want to go out with a, with a strong performance, I'd imagine, to to leave a good taste in your mouth. Yeah, it's like senior day, you know. Everybody goes out there and, you know, you get your give your rose to your mom and uh, they hand you a souvenir jersey and then you go out and, you know, see if something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, Chris, for you, uh, do, do you feel like the number five ranking, by the way, now that you've moved in to the top five? I think you were number six last week. I could be wrong on that. Uh, do you think that, that that's a proper ranking for you? Should you be higher? I wouldn't put myself any higher. I think some of the questions have fallen into my lap in a nice way. Um, I've been listening every day, and there's there's some good teams in this league. So just have to see how it all plays out. Okay, well, we're going to get to the coin toss. Ryan, since this is basically your senior day, I'll let you have the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, tails, please. All right. It is tails. So uh, you win the coin toss. Would you like to go first or second? Let's go second this time. Okay, changing it up a little bit. Chris, that means you're up first into the first quarter of play. These are easy questions. They are worth three points. Chris, how many games did Kansas win? In the 2007 season, if you include the Orange Bowl game in January of 2008. 12 games. Well, was the correct answer. School record for most wins for KU. Okay, Ryan, three-pointer for you in the easy round of the first quarter. How many games did Kansas win in the following season, the 2008 season, including the Insight Bowl victory? Eight. Yep, eight correct answer there as well and what i would give to see kansas win eight games in a season at this point okay on to the medium round of questions second quarter these are worth six points for you chris name this jayhawk running back who rushed for more than 1300 yards as a senior in 1996 june henley june henley is the correct answer quite the career for ku and that's six for chris Okay, Ryan, back to you. Name this Jayhawk wide receiver who had more than 1,000 receiving yards as a senior in 2007 to lead the Jayhawks and their Orange Bowl team. Senior. Um, Marcus Henry. Yep, Marcus Henry, the correct answer there. Some might think it was Desmond Briscoe or Kerry Meyer. No, it was Marcus Henry who led the team. All right. Nine to nine the score. We're all knotted up at halftime into the third quarter play and the hard round. These are worth seven points. Chris, wearing number 83, this KU receiver played from 2002 to 2005 and totaled over 2,100 career receiving yards. What's his name? Man, I am drawing a blank on that era. Ten seconds. Lob a name out there. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got nothing. Does the name this Mark Simmons? Hurt. Mark Simmons? Yep. Do anything for it? All right. Yes, it does now. Yep. All right, Ryan. Here's a chance on senior day to get the home crowd riled up. Wearing number 46, this Jayhawk tied with Aqib Tlaib for the team lead in 2007 with five interceptions. Um, Justin Thornton? That is right, Justin Thornton. All right, that was a big hit for you. So you do get seven points, and uh, you take a 16-9 lead here. So now we head to the fourth quarter. These are the really hard questions. These are worth eight. Chris, you got to hit this to try to get the win. All right, Chris. All right. 
Outside of Kerry Meyer, Desmond Briscoe, and Jake Sharp, just two other Jayhawks in 2009 caught a touchdown pass. Name one of the two. Um, Wordy might have graduated. Ten seconds. Derek Fine. He did graduate by then. The correct answer is Tertavian Ingram or Tobin Operum, former running uh, back. Tobin Operum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryan just threw his hands up like, I have no idea who either of those people are. All right, well, Ryan, you uh, have earned the victory on senior day, so congratulations, but you can go out with a perfect score. You can go out with a really hard answer with both matter both matter to our Heisman formula. And, you know, the more points you score, the better off you're, you're going to be for the tiebreaker for a possible number two or number three finish in the division. So, Ryan, for you, this KU linebacker transferred in from Buffalo and finished third in tackles and second in tackles for loss on the 2011 team. What's his name? Darius Willis. That is right. That's a nice hit for you on both of those, Ryan. So 24 to 9, the final score. You get a perfect. You get a really hard. Uh, those are really big for you there. So, uh, Chris, did the rotation of questions, did that hurt you at all? Would you have known the answer to the Justin Simmons one, or would you have known the answer to the Darius Willis one? Um, no, that was uh, a rough week for me. If you would have got the opposite end of the questions – um, where you would have got the Mark Simmons one, or if you would have got the uh, Tobin Operum, Tertavian Ingram one, would you have gotten either of those right? I would have gotten the Mark Simmons. Uh, I can't, you know, the one-handed catch in the end zone uh, gets K-State in 04 with Simmons, and uh, it's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. Um, the other one, I, you know, I had no idea Operum ever caught a pass, so no, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Uh, well, at least you would have got the one that he got wrong. But, uh, Chris, I, I didn't tell you this before the matchup because I didn't want to bum you out, but this will make you the loss feel a little bit Kyle. better for you. Yeah, Kyle I won the Kyle first won. matchup, so he clinched the division by winning his first matchup. So if that makes you feel better, even if you would have won today, I'm pretty sure it just comes down to next week against Keegan whether you get a, a two or three seed. Now, uh, the difference now with you losing to Ryan is there could be a mega tiebreaker if a bunch of teams finish two and two, but... Uh, you're mm -hmm. still in the running for, for everything you possibly could headed into this matchup. All right. Well, it's been a good season so far. Let's keep it going. Hope we can get a bull win, a bull bid. And Ryan, that's got to feel good winning on, on your senior day, as we talked about. Now you get a bye week, so you get to kind of just scoreboard watch. And I don't know, we'll try to figure out the, the different scenarios of how you could you could make it into a bull game. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, I don't have to do anything but, uh, but uh, watch and um, see how the cards fall and kind of relax, get ready for the first, uh, game against, uh, um, whoever we play next Friday, two Fridays from now. Well, Ryan, good job. Congrats on the win. Chris, you got another one next week and, uh, we'll see if we can get you back on your winning ways. Good job, guys. Thanks, Derek. Thank you very much. Big win for Ryan to close out the season. And Chris still going to have an opportunity to, like I said, make a bowl game or everything. Yeah, these division standings are going to be tough to kind of figure out. So Kyle has obviously clinched it. 
at three and zero right now. Ryan is at two and two, so he would be in second place. Then you have Chris Keegan and Andrew all tied for third at one and two right now. Chris has the most points among them. Andrew would have the second most points. Keegan would have the third most points. Ryan though with the perfect twenty four. That's huge. That gets him to fifty nine total points. Chris though is at forty nine, so he's gonna have a good chance to pass him. But if just the two of them are tied at two and two. Ryan would have the head-to-head, so Chris needs to win. I believe he plays Keegan, and then I believe he would need Andrew Filer to beat Kyle Coffey so that there'd be a three-way tie of two-and-two teams, and he would have the win over Andrew Filer, and then it would get, I don't know, I think all messy, although I don't know. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look if, if Ryan Brown beat Andrew Filer as well, and then he would have the head-to-head over both. I, I can't remember that far back. So uh, the Wednesday division certainly going to get weird with uh, who gets the second and, and third place finish over next week's action. Another fun day of RCST trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, and 23rd Street Brewery. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, two hours down, one to go on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.